Well, hello everyone. This is Ray Morales for The Blind Spot. And today we have a different kind of episode. Back in August, I attended the annual convention for the BVA. That stands for Blinded Veterans Association. It was a fantastic uh, experience. And uh, this one I'm going to hope to share with you guys a little bit of uh, the feeling that we had while we were there. There were several of us sitting around a table discussing the events of the day, and uh, I decided to record what was going on. And uh, it was fantastic. It's gonna be a two-parter. So this is part one of the round table discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Is that what, is that what you call it? Yeah, but your vision is amazing. You have eyesight, and your eyesight might not be too good, but your vision is awesome. So I, I, have, <laughs> I have no vision in my right eye because of the scars that are on my actual eyeball from the fungus that um, I got in Germany that I didn't know I had until five years later. Okay, it, didn't, it was not painful. There was no indication that I couldn't see. But, and so I have no vision on the right side, nor do I have depth perception. Um, and I, I do have, I am legally blind in my left eye as well. And um, the fungus did, um, when it could no longer reach, uh, my right eye is covered and it went to my left eye. So um, pretty cool about that story. <laughs> they, when they sent me back to Walter Reed, they sent me to Johns Hopkins, which is a research hospital. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, and they knew exactly what I had, and they said, she needs to go to Martha Retina Eye Institute, which is right here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And they knew exactly what I had. No one else had said, oh, histoplasmosis, oh! You know, like, yeah. oh, you know, it took me forever to learn how to say it. I, it was easy to spell, but I just couldn't say it. Um, so, uh, when that all, because I just can't, um, if I have to look at something where my nose touches the screen, it's probably not good for me, right? I mean, would you agree? So, would you agree that people behind me, if they were seeing me at a kiosk mm -hmm. that I'm like on, mm -hmm. I, I just don't even. I'm like, is there a person? Is there a person I, up I here? Don't, I stop right. in the kiosk and I go up to the uh, clerk and I don't care if it makes them mad or not. You know, I can't use that thing. Yeah. 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 Almost sticker. Uh, exactly. Same here. I can't do it. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I appreciate the people that. I mean, my daughter should come up there and show. They don't. They just know that's the way it is. You know, it's like this is what it is. Do, 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 do. Now McDonald's is easy. Fries and ice cream, right? <laughs> I don't eat their sandwiches. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, I'm not sorry. No more <laughs> But even even on um, at the VA hospital. Yeah. I mean, dare I go to an ATM? I did the last time I did it. I took out two hundred dollars when I thought I was just getting twenty. Yeah. Oh. Praise the Lord that there was two hundred dollars in there. Two hundred dollars in there. And I was, you know, I mean, I told it. I told her. I said, I don't. I was that to did. I came up with all these twenties. I said, I'm so sorry. I couldn't put it back. It's coming out. You know that you push what you push. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm ready to take my money, and it's like. Yeah, I won. I won. No, I thought I had done something wrong. You know, so kiosks and I don't work. And of course, they have Braille. That was, but that was before I knew how to read Braille better than I, you know, 
You still could have done worse. You could have got more money. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. USA is only It's nice to hear something. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm talking to myself. But so it's funny that you said kiosk because we had that on there and they're talking about trying to improve the kiosks. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's globally. They need to put an effort to make the kiosk accessible. It's not. It's not just the blind and low vision. It's about elderly people as well. Sure. Because they don't follow up with the digital um, changes. Mm -hmm. And but but the digital you know, devices are changing so fast. Even I can't keep up with the recent one. And there's so many menus. <laughs> oh well, yeah, so many menus as well. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is something that I want to change. Mm. That's how I got to join Dot because they did have a kiosk. Um, accessible kiosk where it adjusts ties, it shows braille, it shows um, sign language, it reads out the things that you're focusing on. So I joined DOT and um, I got to, I was put in a DOTPAD team, but DOTPAD seems really uh, interesting for me too because uh, it focuses a lot on um, daily lives than the kiosk because kiosk is usually when you go to a shop or when you go to places, it's just there. But DocPad is something like you can bring around, and then something that can be your companion. Yeah. yeah. So I'm enjoying what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm enjoying the, I haven't seen a lot of changes yet due to, um, from the DocPad, because DocPad just started, you know. Manufacturing. Yeah. Last year, manufacturing. Just, uh, it's not even been, yeah, yeah, yeah. what, has it been in two years? Um, we only started production this year. So um, wow. we, we started selling them in Korea. So I'm just waiting to see the changes. And sure. um, it's, it's pretty slow because it's such a new device. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, people, people, they just don't jump into new devices. You know, they'll be like, oh, should I, or oh, should I not? You know, they, there's this push and pull, pull and push. Sure, so sure. You have, to really, <laughs> you have to really be able to experience mm -hmm. it, the trial, like you, you've come and uh, shown us, I'm sorry, is that you, my kid? I'm sorry. No, 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 that wasn't me. <laughs> um, to, to really see what it can do, um, because you've been, I mean, you put that word dot out there, people do not know, I mean, you don't know, what's a dot? Yeah, you have to educate on the, mm -hmm. on the use. So, I have a question, how are you, from where are your sources coming from the blind sector that have contributed to the development? Like uh, story, story of our CEO or like found so you know for applicable purposes I've seen the graphs and the mm -hmm. art and, and the many things it's been able to do but how are you where's that information coming from we need a tablet that does this ah uh, uh, also we right. actually did a lot of a lot of interviews uh, we did a lot of um, we actually just go up to these communities. When it comes to conferences, we'll be like, hey, what do you need, you know? We'll be like, is this something you really need? So we'll get a lot of feedback. And when we create a software, we'll make sure that um, all these tests are done through um, the blind and the low vision people. Mm -hmm. And then they give us feedback, and then um, Chris is actually, um, that's what he does. He gathers feedback, he gives it to the software team, he gives it to the hardware team, we try to make something that's really needed and wanted instead of you know just coming up with something that we think that they need. Mm -hmm. yeah, because um, 
a lot of the line when I went to the conference, they were saying a lot of companies just create what they think we need and not something that we really need. Yeah, and they're not listening. Mm. Yeah, they're assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, assuming. Yeah, they're not listening. They create things on assumption, and I was like, oh, okay. So what do you need? <laughs> you know. So that's how um, that's how thought works. We we work highly on feedback. And, and especially for me, like to awesome. move the software team or development team work up, I really need the feedback. <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah, crucial for, for our me. company, something really special is feedback is our proof to move the company. Yeah. So if we want them to work, we need proofs. And the proofs are the voices of the client and the people who's actually going to use the device. So um, that's, that's how we come up with the ideas Here in America, we have a saying, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> so it means that when it's all said and done and it's all cooked, mm -hmm. there's your proof. So that's what the dot is. Once it's finished completely, boom, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So actually in the beginning, um, like last year at CSUN, at um, last year BBA, we were still um, in the process of gathering um, information, gathering feedback. And this year we were like, okay, I think um, we gathered enough feedback, yeah, and we're yeah, we're ready. Yeah. And then we decided mm -hmm. to be like, hey, let's, let's go. So, so, what other companies or corporations or organizations have you reached out to, like schools for the blind, or oh, um, do you so, know? So, for the U.S., um, Monarch, you know, in Monarch, it's a humanware device. Uh, APH. APH. Yeah. It's an APH device. So. From K to twelve, um, we can't. We're we're in a project with the APH, the uh, printing house, American Printing House. Okay. Yeah. So we're not doing education in the U.S. yet, but um, they're because they're doing the market. Uh, for other countries, we've reached out to um, the uh, organizations, major organizations like um, ONSE in Spain, um, Vision Australia in Australia. Um, and other organizations globally. So we try to contact them and then uh, kind of persuade them that this is a different device. But it, it does take a long time. Sure. Yeah. I like your approach though. <laughs> because if you can't if you can't have that hands on training, I, I just appreciate that so much. You did it last year and and then to come back and do it again mm -hmm. this year in production. Um, that says a lot, but if you you can sit and talk about it and tell someone about it and tell them how it works and tell them and tell them, but it's when you show and you really you really educate, <coughs> then I think that it's going to be that long drawn that's going to help. Yeah. You want to talk? It's kind of like you can tell people how fun kayaking is down the Colorado River, but you got to get in the kayak. You got to get wet, right? Go for it, Robert. You want to go? You want to go down the Colorado River? No. Yeah, I think we'd say no. You do it, I'll do it. I went skiing this summer. Cool. First time, water skiing, without vision. And and I knew, I saw it coming, 
the, the vote kind of gave me some slack and I saw a big wave and I was like, I know what's coming. Okay. And I did it. Plunged underneath. Wow. I didn't, but I did, I mean, I was like, come on, what's the worst thing you have? I've got a life jacket on. <laughs> you can hit your like, head. Oh, That's the worst thing. You can yeah, what's the worst thing that can happen? So you, you two guys at the end, I know Lonnie, I don't know you, I don't know you two guys very well at all. So Anthony. Anthony. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we see each other on occasion with Melissa. So who are you and what do you do? Okay, I'm uh, Anthony Woodson from Illinois. I'm the uh, president of the regional group in uh, Illinois. That's how I know uh, Jenny. Okay. Uh, we're on calls together for Melissa Winters. She does the workout program. Yep. Yes, yeah. yes. Workout with Melissa. Yeah. One o'clock Central Standard Time. <laughs> <laughs> and so my calendar has <laughs> <laughs> and also on um, Brian's uh, district uh, director's call. We're okay. All together. Yeah. Very good. Plus, I met her at the convention probably three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That would have been Reno, probably. Yeah, Reno. Reno. Yeah. yeah, she met a lot of guys in Reno that when I didn't go with her, I don't know what's <laughs> up with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I told you everything that happened in Reno, nothing that happened in Las Vegas. Because I was told that everything that happens in Las Vegas stays in Vegas. That's a, an American but saying. But I probably know more that? about you than uh, you know about me because she always sucks about you. <laughs> well, driving Miss Jean. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And how about you, sir? My name is Ray Morales, and I am the vice president of the Illinois Regional Group. Okay. And uh, I've only been in the been B in. only been in the BVA now since April. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to get going. I want, I want to grab the reins and go, but um, it's hard when you don't understand the rules of what you can and can't do. So uh, that's why you're here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn, and and Anthony's been a good mentor so far. So hope he continues. Lonnie, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, as you heard, I, I do do a podcast. Uh, and um, when I was in Heinz, um, I got motivated to do this because they gave me an iPad, an iPhone, <coughs> and they gave me a vision to do it. Mm. So I lost my sight, but I didn't lose my vision. Mm. And um, I've heard that from someone else. Yeah, I heard that. And uh, sorry to bother to borrow that from you, Lonnie, but I told you you inspired me. So uh, anyway, that's my story. So do you, when he says like Heinz, are you familiar with what Heinz is? Um, I don't think maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's Heinz Blind Rehabilitation it's Center. It's no, H-I-N-E-S. Ah, H-I-N-E-S. Oh, Heinz. Oh, okay. okay. It's, it's someone's name. It's, uh, it's an Edward Heinz uh, VA hospital. There's a, there's a section of that that is um, a BRC, which is a blind rehabilitation center. Mm -hmm. So He was a doctor, and his son lost his eyesight in combat. And he prayed, if I'm not mistaken. And what year was that? World War II, World War Two. What, Heinz? Yeah, 19, uh, <coughs> well, they celebrated their 75th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 1948. 
It's one of the several centers that it was Veterans Administration. There are 12 it across was, the country. It was the first, first one. Yeah, the first one. It was yeah. the first and best, I think. Mm. So what are some of the, so for their benefit, what are some of the things that they do it? Oh, you're going to interview me now. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it helps them give, it gives them a, a deeper picture. Of From my experience, um, being at Heinz, we got to learn how to um, do mobility, which is mm -hmm. learning how to use your cane, get around. Uh, we went downtown. We did, uh, not downtown, but downtown area where we were by the, the BRC, uh, by the hospital. There were streets we had to cross. There were busy streets. And um, we went shopping. Chicago. Yes, I'm sorry. It's in Chicago, Illinois. And um, then you also learned manual skills, how to use your hands. Uh, I made uh, a really nice belt, which I'm not wearing tonight. Tonight, but I do have it at home. And um, it was pretty nice. Uh, I made a guitar strap. I um, picked up a guitar again. Since my stroke, I stopped playing guitar because I couldn't remember where to put my fingers. My hands and eyes don't work together anymore. Um, but I did pick up a guitar at Heinz and started playing again. Wasn't that good, but I did it. So um, what I, I like to tell people is, just like the Nike thing, just do it. You gotta do it. Yeah, don't be afraid of it, just do it. If you can't do it, practice, practice, practice till you can. I like what Brian said today, just Go. go, yeah, exactly. I met him at Steamboat Springs. Now, wonder where I, I, I heard I should go to Steamboat Springs and snow ski from somebody. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that must have been another wise man. I yeah, I think <laughs> the same guy that I borrowed that saying from, I think, is the one. That... I, uh, I learned to snow ski because where I'm from in the south, there's no snow. There's no snow. So when I was in the army in Germany, um, as a single soldier, I decided I wanted to go to Germany. I wanted to travel, and this was a great. And I wanted to change my career. Um, I was in a, I had a great job, and I made a lot, a lot more money than I did in the army. And um, but um, I wasn't in a good place. It was not a good place, and I wasn't moving forward. And so I went and visited a relative that was over there, and I said. I want to come back here. So they said, join the Army. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm too old to be here. I joined the Army, and I absolutely loved it, loved it, loved it. When I got to Germany, I said, I'm going to go and visit every place I can. I'm going to do things that I've never done before. Kind of like now, I do things that I never thought I would do again without the vision. And um, so I learned to snow ski, and I loved it. Um, I really did. I was like, man, this is great. I, I would never, you know, I, I want to do this again and again and again. We could go to snow lodge, you know, ski lodges and get all, play in the snow and have all kinds of fun. And then, of course, I lost my vision and hadn't snowed for, I'm not going to tell you how long, probably your age. We'll just say your age. <laughs> <laughs> and someone said, you want to go skiing? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I do, but I don't. I break my leg. I can't see what I'm doing. You know, what about? It doesn't bother me in regards to seeing because I can, you know, I can, I can kind of see in front of me, but I don't know what's around. Does that make sense to you? I have no depth and stuff. So, so anyway, so <coughs> I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll just go 
come on. I, but, you know, the guy said, by the end of the week, you're going to come down there. And I was like, look, you know what? I don't want to offend you, but I really don't want to come down there. I'll graduate in <laughs> Bunny Hill to this one. And then I'll just have fun, you know, ski, you see? I bored. <laughs> okay, so you know, yeah, so I'll just go and I'll just have fun and relax and do that. I, I was down the longest hill I've ever done in my entire No, I, I'm in Germany. And um, I just never thought I would do that again. And that was quite an experience. I was like, do I do it? Do I, you know, because you just can't see what's coming to do that. So I was like, yeah, okay, I will. <laughs> and I did. I'll do um, it again. I, I can't imagine the um, feeling that you get after you you do something that, you know, you redo something, you know, after, like, overcoming your fears. Right. Yes. Because I know how hard it is to overcome fear, I get, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really can't imagine that, that feeling that you get after you've done it. I, I kind of forgot how it feels like, <laughs> because I'm always hiding behind my fears. Oh. <laughs> right, so. No. Yeah. 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 I'm 61 years old, and I just learned how to snowboard. I went to see both uh, three times, and the first two times, well, the first time, Lonnie got me to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing oh, a pattern here. Same pattern. We're going to suit your horn. I went back, I did the ski bike. I don't know if you're familiar with the ski bike. No. Oh, it's a, oh, oh, is it like jet, it. jet ski? No, 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 no. It has uh, a ski on the front, a ski on the back, and you have uh, skis on each foot. And you ride it down. Like a bicycle. Like no, a bicycle. I've never seen it. Yeah, I don't it's, think it's, it's in fun. Korea. <laughs> oh, business opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have it in Korea. But I did that, and the last time I went, they talked me into doing a yeah, snowboard. <laughs> So I did that for a day. <laughs> well, and, I haven't uh, done a board. I did, I did the water ski just this June. Was it June? That was in July. And uh, um, they were like, do you want to ski? And I'm like, chit chat, let's go. What can happen, you know? <laughs> I'm like, they're not going to let me drown. They're not going to leave here. <laughs> so they, they all, I did flip. I did flip. And, uh, so in my 61st year, I learned how to snowboard. I flew in the airplane and I jumped from an airplane. You did what? You did what? I flew in the airplane and I jumped from an airplane. Really? Skydiving. We got to get you there. Skydiving. You don't do that, so I'm good. You're not going to talk about that. Independently or Good for you, since you lost your sight. Yeah, yeah. Since it was 61. June. 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 Just wow. June. Shut up! I flew a Cessna for an hour. Whoa. Then he jumped out of it. You do that. No, we didn't jump from the Cessna. <laughs> no. <laughs> Go cheat. So, Lonnie, I got a question. Wow. Yes. So, take us back to like that. What was the first adaptive sport experience that you had? And oh, my. Oh. Yeah. And we'll, yeah. <laughs> Bring us into that moment. She talked about the sense of accomplishment after that. So take us back to that moment. Well, you know, I was a single father raising my girls. So I didn't go to the library app center until my youngest daughter 
was a senior in high school. So how many years was that from sight loss to Porter's being a senior? Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, uh, I went to Hines, and while I was up there, in the, in the process of, the, of that 14 years, you know, I was Bush Moyne, I was using the chainsaw, got Crowdwood, <laughs> and I started building houses, something I didn't oh, do I forgot before to mention that. Yeah. And uh, I do, you know, I started doing anything, you know, round up framing, sheeting, wiring, roofing, you name it. So while I was up there, uh, the Melissa Winter and them, and uh, they knew this backstory that I just told you. And there was uh, four guys who lost their eyesight in combat. And up there, and they, they asked me, they said, Lonnie, we know blind people snow skis, but we've never done it here as a recreational lab. So, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to you know, find something for these younger veterans to do. Will you go and try it and be our guinea pig? <laughs> okay. That was the words. Okay. I, and I said, and, and I said, twist my arm. If they can do it, we can do it. Oh, nice. And okay. So I went snow skiing, and that's how Heinz started developing their snow skiing program. And then one of the veterans who was in the, up there was invited by the Warrior Project uh, a few months later to go water skiing, cycling, and Sailing, and and keep in mind, I I've done none of these adaptive sports myself, none of them. <coughs> and uh, he uh, he told them, he said, you know, you bring Lonnie, I'll go. If you don't, you know, Lonnie's blind, you're not. If if, if you'll go, I'll go. And um, they said, well, Lonnie doesn't qualify for the Winter Warrior Project. He's not a post 9/11 veteran. He said, I'm not going. And so they called me up, and they uh, they uh, end up saying, you know, uh, hey, we'll bring you into a special guest. He's not going to come if we don't. If, if you don't, I said I'm there. I'll be there. So you know, I went water skiing and cycling and sailing, and then it just exploded from there for me. I just somehow, you know, there was a couple of different programs, adaptive adventures and piece of adventure, and then. Uh, some other so we're involved with this. I just started getting asked to go to different events because they knew I would uh, I would try. You know, it was, uh, like I said to me it become my next duty assignment. Mm. You know, and uh, uh, it's like okay, uh, if, it, if it takes somebody to go do it to try it, then let's try it. And, uh, so the mountaineering stuff, I got introduced to the Adaptive Sports Center out in Colorado with Preston Butte and another organization called Peace of Adventure. And, and uh, uh, they said, well, you know, Lonnie, we've never had blind people go climbing mountains. And uh, uh, will you try it and see if we can, uh, can do this? And, yeah. and Steve Baskers was part of that mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. and, uh, to the uh, VA uh, uh, Winter Sports Clinic, 
Noah's out there, you know, uh, that's where I was introduced to uh, whitewater kayaking uh, <laughs> in the swimming pool, you know, and so we went, and they, you know, it's kind of funny because they say if you can do an Eskimo roll in the pool, you can win a t-shirt, so. <laughs> uh, Explain what an Eskimo roll that's is. That's where you, when you flip upside down. Yeah, and roll over, you right? Use your, yeah, you use your paddle and roll back up. Yeah, and, and they told us that in Tulsa, you remember? Yeah. And uh, <coughs> so I did that and wore a t-shirt. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> That's they, too funny. They, they asked me to go to the Montana Clinic, and I did. Um, the outside clinic, what they call the outside clinic up there. And when we left there, Joe Mornini, he, he said, uh, he said, well, me, that said, person. And he said, how would you like to be the first blind person to affect kayak? He said, first blind veteran in kayak to the Colorado River to the Grand Canyon. And I thought, wow. Mm -hmm. And uh, so <laughs> it ended up happening you know, the next year. And yeah, he called me up literally a few months after that and said, Lonnie, how about join us on a raft? You know, and do, the, do the Grand Canyon. And I, I turned him down and said, no, I ain't doing the raft. I said, I want to do it on the kayak. There you go. And that yeah. scared me. So, we did it, and we didn't think, you know, we didn't know, you know, I had no idea, and uh, <coughs> so that was the first time a blind person had ever kayaked the entire route to the Colorado River to the Grand Canyon. And how long did that take? Uh, 16 days, it was that trip. And, uh, 226 miles. Read the wow. book. Read the 226 book. 226 miles. <laughs> That'd be about 300 kilometers. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, but then, so that happened there, and then the, then the, the mountaineering aspect of things, uh, you know, when me and Steve did that, they developed a program at the Adaptive Sports Center. They said, cool, we can do this. And uh, so it was uh, on one of the mountaineering trips that uh, we did, and we, the blind people were guided by other disabled veterans. And mine was B.J. Gannon, his guide to me. But on that trip, uh, another friend of ours, Aaron Hill, who lost his eyesight in Afghanistan, uh, was on that trip. He's like, you know, we decided to go try to climb Mount Kilimanjaro together, which is, you know, highest peak in Africa. Was well, just before we went to climb, Aaron lost, Aaron developed spinal meningitis. And it, you know, he was already totally blind, but the spinal meningitis took his hearing, leaving not only totally blind, but totally deaf. And they could, the only way they could talk to him was to spell letter by letter in his hand. And I was on the phone with him uh, while he was in his hospital bed. I was talking to his caregiver, and I said, you know, tell him I'm not going to go climb until he can climb with me. Oh, oh that's so and I heard him. I heard, I heard him repeat every letter, and then I heard him repeat every word. And then when he realized what it was saying to him, he yelled at me. He screamed over the phone. A few ex expletives. You know, he called me a few choice names, <laughs> and he said no. He, he literally yelled no, no, no. You climb it for me, which meant him. You climb it for us, which meant him and I. And he said you climb it for all of us. So, you know, I just I was like, wow. And uh, so I went and climbed, and, uh, and, 
It's kind of funny, but I told them while I was over there, I said, you know, I, I went over there to climb people I'd never met in my life, all, all ages, all walks of life. And I told them, I said, I've got to get to the top and get two little rocks, one for a parent and one for another guy who was one of the guys I met at Heinz the first time. And I said, i got to get a luck rock for each one of them and bring them back and melt them. And when we got to the top, they told me to hold out my hand. Uh, and, and Stop, you're going to make me cry. I'm such an emotional person. <laughs> and then they put two more And then Steve Baskus then asked me to climb. I'm going way beyond the question you asked me, but <laughs> Steve, Steve Baskus asked me then a few years after that to climb if I would join with him to climb Mount Aconcagua, which was the highest peak in South America. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, sure. I'll go with you. And uh, we went down there, and while we were climbing out, a gentleman stuck his head in a tent. His name was Michael Mill. He stuck, he stuck his head in our tent and said, you guys are blind, aren't you? And then, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, got there and, uh, and uh, got to the top, and I picked up two more little rocks for Eric and, Eric and, and mellowed to them. But it was after that, that uh, Don, who's the executive director, as you well know, I was on the phone with him, and uh, he said, Lonnie, he said, I know you do some extreme stuff, and, and in the meantime, I'd already ran the Grand Canyon, hiked the Grand Canyon, you know, and hiked the Zambezi River in Africa, the Batoka North section, the Zambezi, and, and he said, I know you do the, this extreme stuff. He said, the next time you do something like that, will you join the BBA to help bring awareness to the BBA? And I said, sure. I said, I don't have anything on, there's nothing in, in, in sight right now, but I thought, I'm not sure. Well, Michael, the guy I met on Austin Cobb with me and Steve, it was like three days after that, that I, after the phone call with Don, I get a phone call from him and a guy named Brian Hill, and they were at Everest Base Camp. And they said, Lonnie, how do you like to climb Mount Everest? And I just lowered my head. But I was like, I, I, you know, I didn't, I, I, I really didn't want to do this. But I'm like, but I'm like, okay, I'm in. If we can make it happen, I'm in. And I called Don back and I said, look, this is potentially what will happen. And so we made joint forces and. In the meantime, before we went to Everest, we went and climbed Mount Denali up in Alaska. And uh, uh, then we went and climbed Mount Everest this year, and we summed in on May 22nd. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. <laughs> and I, you almost made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you also pick up two rocks for... Um, I, and on, on Denali and on Everest. Well, not only that, but I also picked up... Uh, uh, there was a there was a, a young a little young boy who I met kayaking. They they created a program. Team River and after we done all the Grand Canyon stuff, they created a program called Chaos, uh -huh. K A O S, which stands for oh. Kids Are Out of Sight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. And yeah. we, and oh. we went and, and and did that. And uh, I met a, a young man at the time. And there and uh, so I picked up three rocks. Wow. On Denali and on Everest, and 
through through them every time. And uh, you know, it's uh, so yeah. I mean, uh, and Everest this year was extremely challenging, extremely humbling, and and uh, uh, it was the deadliest year in the history of Everest, mm. and the coldest and windiest yeah. in 30 years. Yeah. And I wanted to turn around so many times, um, so many times. What kept me going? Yeah. Why I did it. The first reason why you did it. That's what kept me going. Is why I did it. It's these guys. And you know, my, my the the Grand Canyon. The first time down the Grand Canyon, my parents asked me. They said, "Why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, of all the things you've done, why?" And and uh, I knew my guides were combat injured veterans. Mm -hmm. And I, I told them, I said, every paddle stroke, I, I said, I told them, I said, they, they sacrificed so much for me, not only our country, but for me, not only for our country in the world, for me. Mm -hmm. I said, every paddle stroke I made is <laughs> an effort to pay them back. I said, it, it, it will never be paid right. for sacrifice. Right. But I said, it, you know, it's an effort to pay them back somewhat for what they've done oh, for me. <laughs> and, and, I'm not too proud. And then, then when we got to climb Everest, you know, my 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 parents and my my dad, this was one time, my dad, he told me, he said, uh, he, uh, he said, I, I really don't want you to do this, but I won't stop you. And, uh, and my daughters, my two oldest daughters, you know, and, and uh, I said, Dad, this is just too dangerous, you know, and, and, uh, and once again, why? And I'm like, you know why. Same reason as the Grand Canyon. So, uh, you know, as we're climbing Everest, I mean, so many times I want to turn around, and it's just like, no, take another step. Steve Bassett. Genie. I mean, I, I, also many people just kept going through my mind. Take another freaking step. You can do this. Take another step. And we're sitting at base camp and at Everest at Camp 2. And the helicopters, the highest the helicopters could go and land and pick somebody up was at Camp 2. It was about 21,000 feet. Above that, they could go all the way up to a little above Camp 3, which is 23,000 feet, and they could static line someone off the mountain. And, you know, we'd be sitting there, and you'd hear that helicopter go above you up to Camp 3, and you're like, oh, crap, this is not good. Mm -hmm. And as you sit there, they, they would tell me, well, Lonnie, they're alive, they're upright, they're flying off, and then, that's not good, Lonnie, they're hanging by their ankles. Mm -hmm. And you know you're getting ready to go there, mm. and and uh, it's steep and cold, and you know above 24,000 feet is the, is the death zone. You know the where the oxygen level is so thin, you can't sustain life. So, but we get to Camp Four, which is a high camp, 26,000 feet, and you know I'm I'm wearing an oxygen mask at this time. Yeah, 
three, what, 3,000, divide that by three. So what would, what would that be? Uh, six, you know, the, the sum is a little over 8,000. Eight, seven eight, 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 well, yeah, seven thousand kilometers. You know, and, uh, and uh, so, you know, we go to climb, this, climb up and, and we get up to about seven, well, about, how many kilometers would that be? About, we get to about 400 kilometers from the top, and my oxygen mask starts not working. Oh, I remember. And, and uh, you know, it's about four hours from the top, and, and you know, and, and I'm having I'm having experienced climbers come back down the other way, and I'm asking them, you know, hey, did you make it? You know, and they're like, no, no, my eyelids were freezing shut, and no, you know, like this. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh crap, you guys are, and you know, so close. Yeah, so close, but yeah, yeah um, and I'm like, okay, but keep going, Lonnie, keep going, Lonnie. And my, like I said, my, my oxygen mask started to fail, and I couldn't take a full breath. So I went a full, approximately full four hours oh. without taking a, without being able to take a full breath. Mm. My mask wouldn't let me. And by the time we got to within about 250 vertical feet, which is about an hour from the summit, you know, my entire chest was hurting. Oh, I bet. And I can't even imagine. And I'm like, okay, keep going. And we go across, we're crossing that, and we pass a guy who had been there and passed away and been there for years. But we got to the <coughs> summit, and everyone was wanting to celebrate, and I'm like, you know, I said, guys, I can't breathe. I'm, I'm telling you, I can't breathe. And, and I asked for a spare mask, which they told me they would have, but they didn't bring them. Oh. They didn't bring them. <laughs> and so one of the guys, Sherpas, took his mask off. Give me his mask. First time in four hours, I think we take a full breath. Oh. And and uh, and then he put my mask on, and he said, I can't get it to work either, and he failed. He went down the mountain. And, but anyway, on the way back down, uh, you know, they, they went ahead of me, and, and uh, some of the guys, some of the people went ahead of me, and they had my water and my my food, uh -huh. which is imperative that you have that. About. You know, I mean, it's, it's crucial. So one of my guys went ahead and caught up with them to get my my water and food, and he waited on us, and because he waited. And that's uh, kind of a no-no, you know, because that's when frostbite is yeah. frostbite so bad. So anyway, he, he, got, he, he had two of his froze toes get frostbitten. And literally yesterday, day before yesterday, he had a surgery to have one of them removed. Mm. But, <laughs> yeah. He got my water and food, <laughs> and uh, for me, mm. lost his toe for me. And uh, anyway, um, I caught up. You know, he waited on me, and in, in the process of waiting on me to catch up, is when he got frostbitten. Mm. But he got my water and food, and then we got to within about an hour and a half of Camp Four, and we come across across this gentleman who was in the process of passing away. And uh, I, 
brutal death. I mean, excruciating death. And, and listening to him talk out of his head and everything, and I felt so bad, you know, and because you're in elevation, the helicopters can't get to him. And, you know, they were telling us, you know, uh, to wait a minute, but yet get around him because they didn't want us to become a casualty as well. Because guy, I felt so, not only for the guy who's passing away and his family, but the people who were trying to get him down the mountain. Oh, mm -hmm. And it was just, um, so we went around him and finally, and, uh, and then we heard he passed away. And, uh, and then, but my second oxygen mask failed. Oh, goodness. And I was the only one on the team who had an oxygen mask fail. My second one failed just as we were going around that guy. And so, you know, I was having to stop and rest more and more because I just couldn't get a full breath and I was already exhausted. Well, the last time, you know, I kind of stumbled and I sat down. And I didn't know it at the time, but I sat down literally from me to Jeannie from the second person who passed away. And I was literally 100 feet from my oh. tent, from my tent. Mm. And they told me when I got up, they told me about that. And um, so I got in there and I heated up and I got my second mask working again. I was supposed to cross over and climb another mountain called Lobsey. And I told them, I said, guys, I'm not climbing. I said, I've had two oxygen masks fail. Yeah. I've had two people perish. And I've had a trekking pole break. Everything in the world is telling me you've got a free pass at this point. Get off this mountain. Right. And so I just went on down the mountain. And, uh, and, uh, but, and then I, I remember telling them when I finally got back to base camp, I said, guys, I'll never, ever climb this mountain again. And I said, you could give me a billion dollars. And I said, I will never do this again. And the one guy, he's like, yeah, right. Yeah, you obviously don't know what a billion dollars is. You know, I said, I said, I know I'm a stupid little guy from the country town, a little country town in Indiana, a little hip, and I'm not too smart, but I know that's more money than I'll ever spend in my lifetime. But I said, the reason I climbed this mountain is definitely. And I can never find it within myself. I said, if I was to climb it for a billion dollars, I'd be climbing it for me. Right. And I said, mm -hmm. I said that wouldn't be enough to drive me to the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And so, to, yeah. to be an encouragement like that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Those, that is something mm -hmm. that I know. I know that I couldn't do, but it gives me that encouragement and to be able to embrace the ability to say, I can go and hike a mountain when I never would ever think I could do that in my entire life. Um, when I could go and teach a child to kayak because they want to learn and see someone that can kayak visually impaired um, just because I have vision, I have eyesight I like that, I'm still in it just because I have eyesight I don't have that eyesight that it would take 
for someone like you, you know, and but you see the reasons, uh, you know, it's just amazing. So I'm never gonna do that, but I know that because you did do that, and the reason why you did that mm -hmm. were for yeah. your fellow veterans that yeah. say, I can. I can't, maybe not do Everest, you know, I don't want to. I think but I did a good enough job. Have, yeah, but I don't have to stay stuck at home. Yeah, but what is your love? What is your love policy, you know, which is the biggest raft in the What is your effort? You know, what is, what, you know, what, whether it's just simply getting up and, and walking around the block or shopping on your own or, or knitting yeah. a thing or whatever it is, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's, it's, you can do it and, and you get up and do it and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and the phone calls and the emails and the text messages I got, you know, and the people that sponsored it, that, you know, they don't get, I, I tried to tell them, but, you know, I mean, uh, mothers in tears, you know, thank you, and veterans call, thank you for doing this for us. And, and, you know, I just look <laughs> I just lower my head, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's just, there's, and it's like I said, there's nothing special about me, and, and there's not, other than I've just been blessed with opportunities. And, Your heart and, uh, is special yeah. to us. Mm -hmm. You have to realize that, that what, that's yeah. why you do the things, yeah. Yeah. to we show us that we do. can, yeah. we can walk an extra Beyond mile words. we didn't think yeah. we could. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't walk after dark. I, I, I can't. I can if you have to, I guess. He can mow his grass in the dark. <laughs> yeah. So I got another question though. If, yeah. Can I beg a little bit more time? Yeah. Yeah, and then we can and then you gotta go. And I'll put you in the You didn't know what you were in for. I'm glad you came in. We will say that, but I think it's good for all of us, particularly those on the tech side, to see, you know, the people that you're impacting mm -hmm. with the technologies that you make yeah. available. So why don't we take us back to the moment that your diagnosis or the circumstances surrounding your vision loss uh, became apparent. And Jeannie, we'll start with you. And then, and then we're going to bounce over to the podcaster. And then we'll go to my, my, my you got a great smile. You got Anthony. Dimples. I love your dimples. I can't see him. His name is Anthony. 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 And then we'll end with Lonnie. So Jeannie, why don't you kick us off with that? Well, I hope you enjoyed our roundtable discussion, and don't forget to tune in next week for part two. Also, be sure to tell your relatives, friends, neighbors about The Blind Spot by Ray Morales. It can be found here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So until next week, my friends, see you then.